after year. Hey, we need to give a big hand to all those that were water baptized. Would you join me? That was fantastic. Fantastic. One of my most exciting services uh, always is the, uh, the times that we water baptize. So a big congratulations to all of you who are water baptized. Thank you for taking that step and putting Christ first in your life. That is awesome. Now, uh, if you uh, were not with us here this past uh, week, uh, or the last several weeks, you know that we're in a series uh, entitled One More. We want to serve one more, reach one more, encourage one more. And we're going to get to that in just 60 seconds. But I want to just give a shout out for those of you that kind of weren't aware of it and everything's hitting all at once. Last week was an extraordinary week as we launched 15 new adult Bible classes. Uh, all of our kids' classes, all of our adult classes started. Uh, I want to encourage you to check out the website. You can see it right there. There's a QR code. Uh, it's all at uh, bcachurch.com. You can hear and read and study all the different classes. And then we have small groups kicking off just around the corner uh, here in a couple of weeks, uh, kind of uh, in, in conjunction with my new teaching series, and you can uh, read about 20, 25 groups that are listed there as well. So I want to encourage you to really think about studying, involving yourself in Christian growth here this fall. Now, today we're going to continue our series by looking at the subject of serving. How can we serve one more? And I want you to think about your calling. I think a lot of times people think when it comes to calling, it's just kind of the missionary or the pastor on the stage or a few people like that. But the Bible is abundantly clear that every single one of us are called to Christ and we're called to be about the things Christ is wanting us to be about. So I want you to think throughout the uh, time here this morning, these next 20, 25 minutes, how am I doing with regard to my calling? Am I fulfilling what God has called me to do and be? And I want you to just really take some time and just ask the question, what on earth am I really here for? And am I engaged in doing the very thing Christ has called me to do? The Bible says that we've been blessed to be a blessing. We've been uh, uh, gifted for greatness. We've been saved to serve. We've been, been healed to help others. You know, we've received compassion so that we can care and show compassion to other people. We need to be a conduit through which the grace and love of Jesus Christ flows. People will know we are Christians by how we love and serve and care for them. And so serving is really, really an important thing. And we believe that every, every member, every person, every believer is a minister. And we work really hard at BCA to create on-ramps and pathways whereby people can serve. Now, what did I say last week? I said there are two really important people in our church. One, by far and above and beyond them all, is Jesus. Can, can you put your hands together for Jesus Christ, everybody? Number one, above and beyond. But the second most important person is you. You. All of us, individually. And, and the goal of our church is to help each of us grow up, show up, stand up, and be the people that Christ has called us to be. And serving is one of those ways that we step into kind of the, uh, the, the river of God and do the things that he is asking us to do. So how am I doing in this whole area of serving? That's what we're going to look at here for a few minutes today. We're going to take our uh, uh, time focusing on Romans, and we're going to turn to Romans chapter 12 in just a moment. But first, a quick fact on Romans. Uh, Bible scholars will tell you that the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is really uh, uh, on the scholarly side. It's, it's, it's the theology of what Paul is trying to communicate. When you, once you hit chapter 12, things kind of change gears. 
And it's there that Paul starts to look at the practical application of what came before in chapters 1 through 11. He really starts to turn up the heat and turn up the tension on this whole idea. Am I living my life in such a way that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life? Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of my life? That's the question that Paul is asking, starting at chapter 12, moving all the way to the end of the book. And that's the question I want us to ask ourselves. Is Jesus Christ truly Lord of my life? Well, if he is, that's going to include our time. That's going to involve our treasure, our talent, our testimony, how we take care of God's temple. All of those things are really, really important to God and need to be important to us. And so I want us to take a moment and just just think about this one idea. If I am going to live, love, and lead like Jesus, really the vision statement of our church is right there on the wall. If I'm going to live, love, and lead like Jesus, it is essentially going to include how well I serve. There's no such thing as an unserving servant. There's no such thing in the New Testament as a non-serving Christian. It goes together. Serving and Christianity, following Jesus and serving, it it all goes together. And so I want us to look for a few moments here today at three keys to serving well. And uh, if you're not there yet, get out your phone, get out your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, and I want us to look here at those uh, first few verses. The first way that Paul says we can serve well is by properly ordering our life or reordering our life if we're out of whack. I mean, we all get frustrated and we, we try to use a, a cue or catch up with a, uh, some technology and it's out of order. Uh, our lives can get out of order. And so the first thing that, that Paul communicates to us is that we need to live our life well-ordered. Notice in verse number one, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, as I read through these first two verses, I see five essential principles that I need to be all about if I'm going to order my life well. You know, the first one is what I would call the passion principle. It's here where, where Paul and, and, and imagine this, Paul and Jesus are sitting with you in a room, and there's three chairs, and each of you are in one, and Jesus and Paul take you by the shoulders, and they shake you, and they say, I urge you, you need to be about this. What I'm about to tell you, you need to be about this. How many think that would be kind of an important event? I mean, if you're face-to-face with Jesus, if you're face-to-face with Paul, and they say, this is really, really important, I urge you, and then they begin to talk to you about how we need to be passionate about serving others and caring for others and loving others. Now, that's the passion principle. The next principle that I want you to notice is the gratitude principle, and that's really the next part of this verse. It's here that Paul says, in view of God's mercy, considering all that Jesus has done for you, and he calls us by name, Rob, considering all that Jesus has done for you, he's died on the cross, he's made a way for your sins to be forgiven, he's given you the hope of everlasting life. Because of all that Jesus Christ has done for you, I urge you to be all about the mission of God, and that is to reach out and care for one. Reach out and serve one. Reach out and encourage one. It's the gratitude principle. The worship principle is what comes next. 
It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. A lot of people think worship is what we do for an hour every Sunday morning, and it includes that, but it goes way beyond that. It's how we live our lives 24-7. And in the Old Testament, they would put a lamb or uh, you know, a goat without any blemish on the altar. In the New Testament, it's different. Who gets to climb on the altar? You and me. We climb on the altar, and we sacrifice to self, and we live for the Savior. That's the picture we read in the New Testament. And so Paul is saying, I want you to worship. And one of the ways you worship is by dying to self and living for others, serving others, caring for others, being all about other people. Then there's the surrender principle. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind right. Surrender everything to God. It's not about you anymore once you become a Christian. Ultimately, it's about living to honor Christ and to obey Christ and to glorify Jesus Christ. Surrender, submit, give your all to the Savior. Make sure he's number one in your life, in your relationship, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, every area of your life. Surrender, submit to Christ. And then that leads us to the final one, the will principle. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. At the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves, am I living to accomplish my will or God's? Is God's agenda the most important, or is it my agenda? We need to be all about God's will, all about God's will. And if that's not happening, I need to reorder, reorder my life, refocus my life, make sure that these five principles are core convictions of my life. I was talking to one of our incredible Christ servants in our church, and they happened to work in the children's department, and they said, Rob, I got to tell you this story. You know, a couple weeks ago, I'm sitting uh, with the preschoolers, and uh, there's about, you know, 10 or 12 preschoolers in a circle, and one of those little girls, Rob, would you believe this, one of those little girls came up to me, and with a big smile on her face, she said, I love you. The teacher said, that made my day, my week, my month, my year. It made all the work and all the effort and all the energy more than worth it. God has a way of rewarding faithfulness. And that was one just little, little example for that faithful, faithful teacher. I want to encourage you to go for it. Tee it up and and let it fly. And trust God and believe God as you're faithful and fulfilling your calling. The second thing that uh, Paul talks to us about in verses 3 through 8 is the importance of using our spiritual gifts. Now, here's the beautiful thing that not everybody knows, and that is that once we become a Christian, God gives us gifts. He gives us a spiritual gift, and he wants you to use it for God and for good. He wants you to use it to bless other people. And so I want us to look here at a few things that God wants us to be, to become, as we look at verses 3 through 8. Let me just kind of give a few handles. The first thing is he wants us to be humble. Notice in verse 3 it says, For by the grace given me I say to you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Humility, humility, humility. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the Christian. It's the way of the cross. It's what we've been called to be. In fact, Jesus, living in a Roman world, turned everything on its head. He turned everything upside down when he taught about the kingdom of heaven. He taught in paradoxes. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, 
you got to serve. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to find life, lose it. This was so confusing to his first hearers because they were living in a Roman world where it was actually exactly the opposite. If you want to be great, don't be servant, be the master. Climb to the top of the ladder. If you want to be first, don't be last, be first. You know, put your foot, your foot on somebody's throat and step on top of them to get where you want to go. If you want to find life, make life all about you. Don't lose it in serving other people. Jesus taught him this over and over again, and those early listeners were just mind-boggly confused. What is Jesus saying? This goes against everything I've learned and taught. Jesus, the way up. Jesus said, the way up is down. If you want to be great in my kingdom... It's not about you. It's about living for Christ and serving other people. Wow. That's amazing. It left their heads spinning. You know, I was thinking about the th three sides of hubris, and I put together this little triangle to kind of help me think it through. But, you know, when we think of hubris and arrogance and pride, something that we all have battled with or are battling with, probably will continue to battle with our entire life. You know, there's the thing we think about most, and that's being self-centered. You know, me, 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 me. You know, that's kind of how we were born, how we came into the world, and, and we keep rolling with that for as long as we can. You know, that's the hubris arrogance that God says get rid of. But there's another side to hubris, and that's what I call that self-degrading, self-demeaning. I have nothing to offer. I'm no good you know, God has given me no gifts. God hasn't blessed my life. God doesn't want to use me to bless other people. He wants to use everybody else, but not me. That's just not true. It's not true. And that's not what it means to be humble. Humility doesn't mean that I demean and degrade myself and disqualify myself. I think being self-aware is probably in the middle there somewhere where we understand it's all about Jesus, it's not me, it's, it's God first, others second, me third, I get the order of things, but I don't degrade and demean myself, but I'm aware, I'm aware that God has gifted me and he wants to use me as a humble servant to bless other people. Be humble. And then he says, be available. For just as each one of you is one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function. Look at verses 4 and 5. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. This is a great passage. We read about it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where uh, Paul is saying, listen, the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, like Bethany Christian Assembly, our church, is like one body with, with different members, just like the human body uh, is one body with, with different members you know, parts to it that function, uh, you know, in a specific way. And he says, it's important for the whole body to work together. You know, the eyeball doesn't say to the ear, I don't need you, and the ear doesn't say to the elbow, I don't need you, and the elbow doesn't say to the toe, I don't need you, and on and on. You know, we, we laugh and chuckle about that as we kind of exaggerate a little bit. But the truth is, is that every part of the body has a role to play, and if you don't have a toe, or if you don't have a hand, or if you don't have an ear, you know, that's not going to roll real well. You know, you're going to be impacted by that. And it's true in the body of Christ. We all have a role. We all need to be available. We need to be available. They say in the sports world, the number one ability is what? 
availability. You know, if you're always injured, always sick, never, never you need to be available. You know, and that's true in our lives too. We need to be available at work. We need to be available to our family. We need to be available to God, to be used by God to do what he's called us to do. It's really a powerful thought when you stop and think about it. Availability. You know, the hand needs the foot. The foot needs the arm. The arm needs the knee. You know, the body works together. I, I like to think about it oftentimes uh, as an orchestra. God is the great conductor of the orchestra, and we all play different parts. Have you ever heard a beautiful, beautiful orchestra? You know, playing, you know, some, some beautiful, beautiful arrangement. You don't go to a, uh, hear an orchestra and expect to just hear the flutes play. I mean, that's going to be beautiful, but it's not quite the idea. Or you don't go to hear the tambourine or the bass drum only. That's not quite what you signed up for. Or you don't go to just hear, you know, a, a trumpet solo, as beautiful as it might be. You want to hear the, the woodwinds and, and then the brass coming in and then the percussion doing their thing and all of it working together and you have the most beautiful melodic uh, harm, uh, harmonic type of, uh, of, of uh, uh, presentation that just boggles the mind. All those dedicated players fulfilling their part, playing their role. That's the way the body of Christ is. So if uh, the lead trumpet bows out, you know, I'm not going to play, or, or the flute say, we're not doing our part, or the percussion says, we're not interested, that impacts the presentation, and it certainly impacts the body of Christ. You might be here today and think, I have nothing to offer, I have nothing to contribute. God says different. He says, I've saved you to serve, I've healed you to help, I've blessed you to be a blessing. And there's no age limit on it, young and old. You may say, hey, I'm too old. No, you're not. I'm too young. No, you're not. Step up and allow God to use you in his church to be a huge, huge blessing. Finally, look at this last B. We want to be humble. We want to be available. We want to be faithful. And that leads me to verses 6, 7, and 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving then serve if it's teaching then teach if it's giving encouragement encourage if it's giving generously then do that if it's leading do it diligently if it's showing mercy be all about that god has given us spiritual gifts these seven i believe we have at least one of those every single believer god has gifted you and he wants to use you for his glory if jesus came up to you and said hey can i count on you and he called you by name i really want you to fulfill this would you say no? <laughs> you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. And that's really what he's doing. He's speaking to you and me in a very specific way. You say, Rob, I'm too busy. I don't have time to do anything. You know, it's amazing how we find time to do what's a priority. And I just want to turn up the heat, turn up the tension level just a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, why is Rob so convicting today? Go ahead and do that. Why is Rob so stinking convicting today? I just want to turn up the heat just a little bit for the glory of God and for the impact our church can have on this dark community. Precious people who need to know about Jesus. Precious people that are just waiting for someone to share the good news. I just want to turn up the heat a little bit and challenge all of us to make sure we're all in. And so many are, so many are. I love what 1 Peter 4.10 says, says, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others 
faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Each should use whatever gift he has received. When you look at those gifts again in verses uh, 6, 7, and 8, you see seven of them listed. And I was thinking about different people in the Bible that kind of uh, emulate those particular gifts. You know, prophesying people think of predicting the future. Well, it's also, it's not just foretelling, it's forthtelling. It's speaking into people's lives. Maybe you're like John the Baptist and you have the gift of prophecy where you can speak into somebody's life and draw out the good in them, challenge them to, to move from waywardness to, to following Christ. How about, how about Martha? You know, the story of Mary and Martha, Martha gets a bad rap for being too busy doing other stuff while Mary was sitting listening to Jesus, and certainly Mary was doing the right thing. But, you know, Martha was trying to do the right thing by putting together a lot of logistics and preparation, you know, uh, doing things behind the scenes. You know, some people are uniquely gifted in this whole area of serving, working behind the scenes to enhance everything that happens in a church or a ministry. And this church is loaded with people just like that. Incredible Christ servants. Incredible Christ servants. How about teaching? Paul is probably uh, the greatest example. He wrote most of the New Testament. Barnabas is a son of encouragement. Uh, The Macedonians begged for the opportunity to give. Notice they were poor, the Bible tells us. We read about them in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and so forth. And, and they begged for the opportunity to help with the famine in Jerusalem. And they didn't have much money to work with. They demonstrate a generosity that's uh, pleasing to God. John, the apostle, is a great example of leadership and mercy. Uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was teaching about mercy, mercy, mercy. What is the gift God's given to you? And if he were to ask you, to use it for his glory, would you? I know you would. You saw uh, members of our team up here representing, you know, uh, our vast army of of ministers and ministries in our church. There's over 100 ministries in our church when you combine all we do at the Compassion Center and here through the church and uh, around the world through missions. It's really opportunity galore to get involved. If you're new to BCA, welcome. How long do you need until you get involved? 30 minutes, and it's coming up right about now, okay? I want to encourage everybody to flood those tables out there. Learn about ways to get plugged in. Elbow your way around people in a loving way uh, to learn more about those ministries. I encourage you to just really think it through seriously. If Jesus were here saying, I've given you gifts, will you use them for my glory? The answer is, of course we will. And I want to encourage you to learn how you might be able to do that most effectively. Pastor John was up here from the Bethany Compassion Center and and he sent me an email this past week that listed about 12 or 13 things that happened just in one day. I wish I had time to read it to you, but it was just so, so heartwarming and encouraging. You know, ways different people that are serving through the BCC and we're all a part of that through our prayers, our giving, our serving. Uh, just touching one at a time, one person here, one senior citizen, one a single mom, you know, one, one child, one youth, you know, one person who's homeless, one who's in our support recovery groups, you know, just, just all these different things. And what it represented were a lot of people that were using their gifts 
putting God first with their time, their talent, and their treasure, which is powerful. I want to wrap it up by just bringing you an application, which is really my third point. What's your next step? You say, Rob, I'm already involved. I'm plugging away. I'm serving. I'm doing what God's called me to do. Awesome. 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 Keep up the good work. Know that God is pleased and God is glorified. And what you're doing for God and for good is making a huge, huge difference. But for all of us, I want us to think about this verse that Paul gives us. It's, it's not in Romans, but it's one of my life verses found in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me, Paul says. My only aim, notice what he writes here, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Finish the race and complete the task for which he's called me to. Imagine if all of us took that approach to life. I want to finish the race. Paul talks a lot about sporting events as metaphors in his teaching. I want to finish the race. I want to end well. I want to end strong. From this day forward, I want to end strong. I want to complete everything he's laid upon my heart. Those of you that are younger have a long life in front of you. May I encourage you to put Christ first and and live a life of service, honoring the Lord with your gifts. You will never, ever regret it. Those of us that have more years behind us than we have in front of us, not talking to anybody in traditions, by the way, just talking about myself for a moment. (laughs) May that be our aim as well. And mostly our aim. My aim is to finish the race well, to complete all the tasks he's given me. We are never too old to be used by God to be a blessing for God. Amen? He wants to use us, use us, use us, use us. Yesterday I attend a uh, a funeral for Al Bonsgaard here at our church. Uh, Pastor Al was uh, on our staff, uh, served in seniors and visitation for I don't know how long, seemed like a dozen years, whatever it was. Just a godly man, just a kind man, compassionate man. And I just sat there listening to all that was being said, and I thought to myself, what a life lived well. Finished the race, completed the task. Even though the last of his life was full of dementia and just all sorts of pain that goes with that dastardly uh, disease, what we remember is our good buddy, Pastor Al. One of the great pillars of our church, Harold Christensen, passed away here this past week. And his service will be the end of October. Now, Harold is one of those guys that you always think about as, as being such a prince of a man, such a devoted Christ follower, and such a selfless servant. His fingerprints are all over this church. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. And as a pastor, I often think to myself, I don't feel worthy (laughs) leading funeral services for people like that. Just understand what I'm saying by that. I'm just so struck by how well he lived. And it's a tremendous inspiration to me to try to live that way as well. Paul said it, my only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task. So how about you and me today? Think about these thoughts. 
God has called you. How important is that for you to say yes to your calling? Lord, I'm going to fulfill what you've laid upon my heart. Think about for a moment your commitment. I'm going to go all in. Paul says, I'm going all in. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task. Where are you in saying yes to the calling God's laid upon your heart? And where are you in that commitment stage of saying, I'm going all in? Take a moment, just think about the contribution God wants you to make. It starts with faithfulness and humility, availability, and it grows from there. I want us to close our service in a special way here today. I'm going to invite you to stand. I've written a prayer, a ministry prayer, a a ministry consecration prayer. And in the chapel, our tradition service right here in the worship center, I want us to say these words together. I'm going to lead us, and I want you to just read along with me. And if this is something that you mean to your toes, I, I want you just to sense that and just... September is a time in our church where we start all the ministries kind of all over again. And my prayer has been that this will be one of the greatest ministry years in the history of our church. As each and every one of us commit ourselves to faithful ministry for our Lord and God, what could that look like? How many people could we touch? How many children, youth, and adults could we impact for God and for for his glory? Just think about the opportunity we have before us, working together as one body. So make this personal, make this a matter of personal prayer if your desire is to go all in with God this ministry year. Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, you gave your all for me. You came to save the lost and serve everyone. I owe you my whole life. I commit my all to you today. My aim is to live, love, lead like Jesus. I promise to use my gifts to serve others. I have been blessed to be a blessing. I have been saved to serve. I've been comforted to care. I've been healed to help. Use me, Lord, for your glory. I stand before you humbly. I am available. May I be faithful. I commit myself to you today and promise to make this new ministry year a year of sacrificial service for your glory. People need to know about you. They need to experience God's love. I want to do all I can to help one more see Jesus and come to know of his saving love. I commit my life to serve you and others more than ever before. I hereby consecrate my life to you today and commit myself to a new year of growing in selfless service. Amen. Lord, I pray for our entire church family. Lord, I pray for our entire church family. I pray that this lighthouse, this beacon of hope, will shine brighter and louder than ever before. As we come together and work together and serve together, To lift up the name of Jesus, we pray that more and more people will come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and come to know of his love. Jesus, you love everybody. You're counting on us to be your hands and feet, an extension of your love. May we be found faithful. I pray all these things in your precious and holy name. And everybody said, amen. We're going to do two things as we close. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. If you would like special, special prayer, I invite you to come and pray with one of these dear friends. Uh, Secondly, I want to encourage you to uh, head out to the lobby, stop by the uh, different displays and exhibits and learn a little bit more about what's happening. 
Uh, we're going to dismiss right now this way, so you are dismissed. Thank you very much. Stop by the tables. Learn about what God's doing in and through your church and how you can be a part. God bless you. Thank you for being here today, everybody.